Welcome to Q&A Selling Online with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand. Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur, Quinn Amorm. Welcome back to the show, my friends. Today, we have with us a very special guest directly from China, Mitchell Johnson from VTrust Inspection Service. Mitch, how's it going today? Uh, doing pretty good. How are you? Doing great. So b- besides the cold cold weather, not I don't have a cold, but cold weather here, uh, it's the only thing that's really bothering me. Uh, you are in China. How's the weather there? Uh, pretty good, actually. We're in, the, uh, we're in the south in Guangzhou, so we're near Hong Kong. So today uh, in Celsius, it's about 25, 26 degrees. Wow. Fahrenheit, probably close to 80. So we're not yeah. doing so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that is... That's almost 50 degree difference between me and yeah, you. So yeah, <laughs> yeah that's paradise. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you you are in China, like we just said. How long have you been there? And are you are you living there? You live there for uh, yeah, yeah. I've been in China for about uh nine years now. I oh. lived in Beijing for two years. And then uh that was a bit too chilly, so I moved down south to Guangzhou. So I've been in Guangzhou for about um seven years now. Wow, that is so cool. So how did you get started and how did you end up there? Tell us your, our story. Uh, let's see. After university, I wasn't sure exactly if I wanted to continue to graduate school or start working. Uh, but what really sounded inter- interesting was uh, learning or, or uh, learning to live in another country for a while. So I came to China with another friend and started working here for a bit. And one year led to another year, and still here. So, wasn't really planned this way, but that's the way it turned out. Okay, so I, I know the feeling. I yeah. know the feeling. I, <clears throat> like we spoke earlier, I, uh, I I went to Portugal once to uh, I don't know if it was for vacation or what, but I ended up spending twenty years there, right? And <laughs> <laughs> nice so, long vacation. <laughs> exactly right. So you are with VTrust. So tell us, what is VTrust and what do you guys do? Right. Yeah. So VTrust is an independent inspection company or third-party inspection. So we provide um, a couple of services. We focus mostly on like product inspections. So we can essentially visit the factory on behalf of a buyer and inspect the quality of an order to make sure it conforms to the requirements, there are no defects, and then uh, after the issuing the report, the buyer can decide if they want to accept the order or negotiate with the supplier to change it a bit. Okay. So we started in about uh, 2006, uh, been growing quite a lot, especially this year, you know, obviously with the, uh, or sorry, this year and last year, with the pandemic, nobody can really travel that much. So no one can come here to check their own orders, to check the factories. So we've been doing a lot of that, especially for Amazon sellers in the past year and a half. Yeah, I bet that has exploded the the, uh, the yeah. amount of inspections you have to do. So can you explain um, how an exp- inspection works and uh, what what gets done? And and is there a difference between inspection and independent assessments, or is that just another term for the same thing? Uh, there, there are a couple of terms for different kinds of inspections. Uh, the ones that we provide, <clears throat> the two most common are during production, which obviously is in the middle of production. Um, 
at that point, we'll usually visit when about 30% of the production is finished. So we'll check okay. a few of the finished items as well as some of the items that are still under production to make sure you know, everything is going correctly, everything's on schedule. Um, and then the other one that's the most popular is pre-shipment inspection, which is sometimes called a uh, final inspection. So that's after production is done 100% and at least 80% of it's packed. So at that point, we'll check total quantity, make sure the numbers are there, check the uh, workmanship of the product, the specifications like height, length, weight, uh, colors. Uh, if it's for Amazon FBA, we can also check a few of those things. Like uh, there's an FBA label for uh, Amazon products. We can check if that's readable. Um, any logos, marking, labeling, also packing. If FBA uh, is the destination, then they require certain packing things, maybe for your poly bag, et cetera. Uh, and then for any additional requirements that you have, we can add that to our checklist. So we'll check all of those things, put it into a report, and then the client will get that about uh, 12 to 24 hours after the inspection is finished. And they can see how many defects were present, whether we recommend uh, accepting or rejecting the shipment. Okay, got it. So uh, you mentioned the pre-shipment or a factory or one done in the factory. So the pre-shipment I'm guessing is if I'm buying from a trading company, then it has to be a pre-shipment, right? That's the only option. Uh, it kind of depends because, you know, trading companies, they source from different factories and sometimes they reveal which factory that comes from. Mm. Sometimes they don't. We recommend having the inspection at the factory itself, just so you know if there are some problems, they can fix it there on site, rather than being shipped back from a warehouse to the factory and back and forth. Yeah, so got it. it depends on the agreement you have with your supplier. Yeah, yeah. I did a, did hear some stories in the past that people that have bought a, a large quantity of something and uh, after they get inspected, after it's all done. They get inspected and it fails the inspection, and right. now, now the entire order is done. So it's it's too late to stop it, right? That you you would have to redo it all. Right. So the way you do it sounds sounds pretty fantastic because you you can go to the factory while it's being produced. So you, uh, I mean, if you have that um, authority, I'm guessing if if you're there and they're producing it and it is wrong, can you ask them to stop right away? Uh, we can't ask the factory to do anything because we're not a party to the original contract, but we can recommend to the buyer to ask the factory to do that. Okay, got it. Um, we can rec make recommendations to the factory, but we don't have any authority to you know, actually force them to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why like, we usually ask for you know, maybe a, an emergency contact number so we can call the buyer during the inspection, just in case there's something like really major that comes up. And then uh, they can contact their supplier and figure out what's going to be the best way to solve that issue. Okay. So I, I read that in 2020, uh, you guys alone had over 100,000 man days in China. Man days is a work day for a full work day, correct? Correct. Um, different companies will define that slightly differently. The way we define it is up to eight hours on site. Yeah. So that does not include travel time and report writing time. Uh, but you have to be careful about that because some companies will include their travel time within the man day. 
So if they spend two hours traveling there, two hours traveling back, they'll only spend six hours on site. Um, mm. So it's good to be clear about that upfront with whoever you contract because it's not always consistent. Okay, that, that's one of the things that most buyers, uh, which Amazon sellers that are in this case being buyers, probably don't think about that, right? They're, the, the, right. There are yeah. huge travel times sometimes. So yeah, good, good rule of thumb is never assume anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that one. Yeah. So uh, 100,000 man days, that's, uh, and, and it wasn't just in China, right? So you guys do China, Vietnam, India, yep. Cam Cambodia. Uh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Southeast Asia, most Southeast Asia and China. China's our biggest area, but uh, yeah, last year was absolutely our busiest year yet. Um, so how in big large is, part, thanks to the pandemic. Yeah. How big is the team, Mitch? Uh, we've got about a hundred people in our head office here, and then we have uh, just over 350 inspectors, full-time inspectors, uh, wow. spread out all over. So in any of our network, we can send our, our own full-time inspectors there so we can make sure everything is standardized. We can keep an eye on things, make sure it's consistent, reliable. Nice. So, Pretty soon to be a 500-man company. That's pretty pretty decent volume, right? Probably decent size. Yeah. yeah. So how do those, let's say those 350 um and inspectors, how do they get, get trained? Is this um, in, in person training? Do they hands on or is it still like some uh, online uh, training? Yeah, that's a good question, especially given the past year. Um, so, our inspectors, we, uh, we require them to have at least two years of some kind of related experience to QC. Uh, and then when they join our team, they come to our head office. So from all over China, they'll come here for uh, usually, usually it's two weeks of in-house training. Um, and then we've also mixed in one or two weeks of online training, as well as on uh, several months of on-site training before they're independent inspectors. So uh, we try to keep it pretty comprehensive, give them some hands-on uh, experience, as well as classroom training. Uh, oh. And then we have periodic assessments and additional, you know, training modules that we can uh, send out throughout the year as well. Okay, got it. And now one of the things that um, I often think about because it has happened in the past uh, and luckily not to me yet, but I know there are companies out there that have a lot of certificates and some of those certificates are not real certificates. So, Is that something that you, your team or your company also does, like inspect a certificate to make sure it is real? Uh, yeah. Um, so, for example, let's say a business license of a factory. There is an online database uh, in China through the government where you can check the business license to make sure that their business scope is what they say it is. So, if they say, yes, we can manufacture chairs, but actually their business scope says maybe... Um, I don't know, plastic home decor. It's not exactly what they're certified to do. Because mm -hmm. um, they will say, you know, we can do this, we can do that for you, anything you want. But 
the uh, the official business certificate doesn't lie. So um, as far as other certificates like quality control certificates or um, certifications by like a social compliance uh, platform, uh, we can check the authenticity of those. Okay, and now an important thing when uh, every day there's new and Amazon sellers, hundreds or thousands every single day right, yeah. that come on. And a lot of these sellers, when they go, they become buyers, right? In this case, they go to China and buy their products. They don't know anything or much about product compliance, right? So right. they can buy something that they won't be allowed to sell. Is that something that uh, just because they don't know that the factory will still sell it to them, right? Is that something yeah. that you guys look into and like tell me, hey, Quinn, by the way, do you know that you can't sell that unless um, you have this and this? Uh, we try to as best as we can. It's a lot of things to keep track of um, because, you know, every country, even, you know, states within the U.S. itself, they all have slightly different regulations. Like um, California has, you know, CA 65. Even if it's transported through California, it has to either comply with that or have a label saying it may not comply. Um, so, yeah, we usually try to identify where the product is going to be sold, if possible. And uh, we can offer, you know, do you need this certification if you're going to sell it in California or the U.S.? Do you need that certification? Um, but the problem is, you know, kind of like you said, a lot of sellers are not aware of this. Yeah. And they may or may not have done their homework already. So sometimes, you know, even if we ask, do you need this certification? They might just assume that they don't because they haven't heard of it before. Um, so I think that is one of the challenges for um, new Amazon sellers because they just haven't been exposed to a lot of that thing, those things before. However, most of the uh, new Amazon sellers that we've been getting uh, it seems like most of them have some idea of that because first they're coming to us for inspections. So they've probably heard about some of this through maybe their Amazon schools or a podcast or like a prominent Amazon seller. And so they have already looked into some of these things. They may not know exactly how to do it, but they're at least aware of it. So we do get requests for certifications like that as well. And is it still possible to source things that are, um, let's say, supplements, anything that it's ingestible? Those are, are a, little, a little bit more serious, right? Does that require, uh, do you have different members of a team to go to, to do um, in, uh, supplement inspections or everybody's trained for the same uh, for everything? We do have different um, you know, departments that focus on different product lines. So like soft line, Hardline, agricultural, things like that. Uh, we also have a, uh, you know, a testing division that handles lab testing. So, for example, supplements, that's going to need some FDA clearance in addition to the regular custom things. So, uh, yeah, we do have different departments dedicated to different areas so that we can um, make sure that, you know, this particular requirement is well taken care of rather than just by a you know, general responsibility type person. Okay. So I read you guys invested, um, VTrust invested over two and a half million into your own labs. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. You've been reading a bit of our website, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That is, man, that's cool. Normally I yeah. figured everything would be outsourced to another lab or another business. And 
So you guys do do everything. That's why you have a team of 450, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, a lot of uh, companies uh, often outsource, often by necessity. Um, but yeah, we've, uh, we've worked pretty hard to you know, develop our lab testing abilities since it's such a huge supplemental area to inspections and quality control. Um, so we try to be, you know, kind of like a, a one-stop kind of quality control service. Okay. So let's say a brand new buyer um, mm -hmm. orders something. Um, they do the, the standard that, that people do is uh, pay 30% up front and then the last 70 after the inspection is approved. Mm -hmm. uh, that is still what you see, right? The 30, 70 in most That's cases. That's most common, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so this brand new seller, if they say contact VTrust, uh, to get the inspection, what do they need to tell? Let's say if they're talking to you, what do they need information they need to give you? They just give you the seller, uh, the manufacturer, and then you deal with them? Or how does it go? Uh, right, yeah. So when they're making a booking, we will communicate directly with their supplier so we can you know, coordinate the schedule, uh, find out when production is going to be finished so you know there's less uh, you know, people in the middle. But essentially, uh, the information that we need is total quantity of the order, total number of items. So if there are different SKUs within mm. that order. And usually a reference photo of the item is helpful too, so we can estimate um, how long it's going to take to inspect you know, sample size for that order. So we, we don't usually inspect every single item. It's not very efficient. It takes a long time. Uh, so we'll follow something called the AQL. It's an international standard for quality control. Um, so we'll take a corresponding sample size from your order size, inspect that according to our checklist, and based on how many defects there are, we'll, uh, you know, like I said before, recommend pass or fail. Um, so besides that, we need the contact person at the factory. So we can call them. They already know which order that we're talking about and uh, we'll coordinate with them. Uh, if Once we confirm the inspection date, we'll notify the buyer, tell them this is when the inspection is going to happen, you can expect the report at this time, and you can make a decision on whether to release the order or not. And Mitch, how do you guys verify colors? Because um, I know, for example, if, if I send you a picture, the color may not be realistic right. because mm -hmm. of the lighting or something. So do you, do you use like color codes? Exactly. Right. Yeah, that's a good question. A lot of uh, buyers maybe don't consider this. We get a mix. Uh, usually most reliable is to have a standard like Pantone colors. Hmm. Um, so when you're going through these things with your supplier, choose a color code from like, for example, Pantone or something equivalent. That way we can take our own Pantone pack and compare the color with the finished product. It's different, like you said, different displays and cameras show colors slightly differently. So it's kind of hard to compare through a computer screen. Mm -hmm. Okay, because I've known in the past people that have um, received colors that they weren't expecting. Mm -hmm. And I tell, I tell everybody, you don't just tell your manufacturer what color you want, you show right. them, right? You show them right. what color you want because a green to me may not be the same green for you, right? A fluorescent right. green is still green, right? Yeah. So yeah, make sure- That's, a good, that's a good example. Um, 
because in like even if you choose a Pantone Pantone color uh, from a swatch, you may not know exactly what to expect with the finished product. So it's also good to pair that with an approved sample. If your supplier can provide a sample for you and you can improve everything about it, that's your you know, your best way to make sure you're going to get what you ordered. Um, if that sample can also be sent to your inspector so they can compare it side by side on site, that's going to be your, your best bet for making sure it's correct. Okay, that's, that's what I was going to ask you. Can I get the sample sent to you instead of sending it to me, right? It would probably save a couple of days and you're right there. So, Right. Okay. That's good to plan in advance. If your supplier can send you some samples, you approve them, and then maybe the supplier can send one sample to us in our office. We can take that with us to the inspection and uh, compare it to make sure it's all consistent. So what are some of the most common mistakes that you see? Uh, I, I often want to say uh, sellers, but in this case, they're buyers. Right. What is the most common mistakes that you see them do? Probably um, there are two or three very common ones, especially that I've seen in the past year with a lot of new people coming in. Uh, one is a lot of the new Amazon sellers that we get coming in. Um, they want to do the responsible thing and you know check off the QC box, which is great. Um, so they'll book an inspection, but then they just assume that it's going to go well. And they have their shipment date scheduled for one day later, mm. right after the inspection. <laughs> so honestly, more often than not, it doesn't go as planned uh, because there might be a failed inspection. There could be you know, an unanticipated defect or just a non-conformity that has to be dealt with. So then, you know, the buyer, the Amazon seller is in a tough spot. They've got to decide, do I just ship this order as is, accept, you know, these things that I didn't want, or do I cancel the shipment and try to reschedule it later while the supplier reworks these products? It's not a good position to be in. Um, there could even be like, uh, maybe you chose a product out of catalog and you said, I want this exactly like that but maybe you didn't specify the material of some components and you only find out later at the end of production that it's not the material you thought it was going to be. They can't fix that in six hours before your shipment. So we usually recommend trying to schedule your inspection three days before shipment so that if, you know, worst comes to worst, there are a few days to fix it up before shipping it out and you don't have to deal with rescheduling shipment. Okay, so when you when you go to a, a manufacturing facility to do an inspection, um, imagine this probably happens to you uh, a lot. Um, I order, um, I don't know, let's say a, a microphone from a company, but I get the packaging from a different company. I I don't know if all sellers do this. I often get those two those two manufacturers speaking to each other. So let's say yeah. the packaging manufacturer makes them, ships them to the microphone guy. That's just an example. And then he has them there with my branding and everything. So if you go to factory B, would you inspect my boxes from factory A as well? Uh, usually that's okay. Yeah. <clears throat> if it's, um, if there's not like a, I don't know, like a hugely complicated packaging, that's usually fine. Um, especially it's, recommended especially if you know different factory handled packaging versus the actual product we have seen instances where 
the final product did not actually fit the packaging because those two factories didn't communicate well. Um, so yeah, as long as we can uh, fit it into the same mandate, that's fine. Uh, we can include uh, packaging within the checklist. It's part of our normal checklist anyway. Um, and uh, just make sure that uh, you, know, you communicate all of these things to your supplier well in advance because like what we said before, don't assume anything. It's true. You need to tell your supplier exactly what you want down to you know, the finest detail that you can so that they know what you want. Otherwise, they're going to assume that this cheaper component is okay or this thin packaging is okay because you didn't ask for anything else. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's important to you know, not only tell your inspector what to check for, but to specify everything, including you know, Amazon FBA requirements to your supplier in advance. So there's no surprises for anybody later on. Absolutely. So what you mentioned there about um, sometimes the, the final product not fitting in the packaging, that is the reason why I get, for example, two manufacturers speaking to each other so they can figure that out uh, because right. it has happened in the past where the final product ends up not fitting in the box. And, um, and that, that's a big issue, right? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, it, it's supposed to... Uh, supposed to board the seekin tomorrow right that's always the case <laughs> so tell me uh, like you know i did check your site uh because it's a really good looking site and i like the, the the orange tones on it and everything but you have a lot of things there so what else does uh, vtrust do uh yeah besides uh product inspections we can do uh factory audits so essentially we visit the factory, check their certificates to make sure they manufacture what they say they manufacture, uh, check their production facilities to make sure their machines are, for example, clean, well taken care of. Um, they have the manpower necessary to produce your size of order by the date they promised, uh, see what they outsource, if anything. Uh, we can also do something called a social audit. Uh, this may not be that familiar for Amazon sellers, but it's bigger for you know, large retailers, for example, Walmart. Mm -hmm. uh, so this checks for things like child labor, forced labor, wages paid on time, environmental responsibility. So we also check those things as well. Uh, and then also we kind of mentioned it before, testing and certification for products. So those are the main areas that we generally focus on. Okay, got it. I. Um... I did hear about that, um, the social inspection before. I, I wasn't too sure what it was. I just assumed basically that that's what it was. Yeah. Right. Uh, now, one of the things that some Amazon sellers, uh, or again, in this case, buyers may think is, how do we know we can trust inspection company uh, to go to a place and actually uh, be on my side, right? Not be because they're going to be there in the factory. And what if the factory says, why don't you let this slide? Right. How do, how do we know this? I, I bet you've probably been asked this before. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a common concern and it's a valid concern. Um, so for one, uh, you want to look for an inspection company that has full accreditation. And within China, there are three main accreditations. Um, they all have acronyms. Uh, one is IFIA, 
another is AQSIQ, and uh, the third, I'm actually forgetting the actual, oh, CNAS, sorry, CNAS. So an inspection company to be fully accredited must have those three things. Um, but you know, for an average person, a new Amazon seller, that probably doesn't mean a whole lot to them practically. So uh, the issue of, let's say, bribery. If a inspector finds a big problem and the factory asks, can you just ignore this or you know, check it off the list and you know, there's, there's a pack of cash waiting for you. Uh, it's a concern, it's a valid concern, uh, and it's something that we take very seriously. Um, so one of the ways that we take care of that is we only use our own full-time inspectors. That's the first step to making sure we can supervise what's going on. Uh, second, we also want to not just you know, tell people we're watching you, um, that kind of thing, but also to provide incentive to do a good job. You know, all of our inspectors are, you know, they stay here for a long time. They have good compensation. And also after being in the company for a long time, as well as doing a good job, they have the opportunity to become shareholders of the company. Nice. Um, so we try to provide you know, a strong incentive for inspectors to maintain transparency, do a good job, and uh, not take bribes, you know, be on the side of the buyer who contracts us uh, so that they have a strong reason to you know, turn down that bribe because literally it's better for them to do a professional job. Uh, to make sure that the buyer's interests are well taken care of. So uh, whenever you're you know, looking at an inspection company, whether it's us or someone else, you know, visit the company if you have the opportunity, uh, see how they handle these kinds of things. Because anyone with you know, um, a serious program to take care of this, they're going to have usually a detailed program to address it because it's a well-known issue. And if they don't have a very detailed answer. They just say, oh, we, you know, we take it seriously and we make sure that our inspectors are professional. There's no detail there. You can't really verify that they're going to you know, be reliable. So look for the system that they have in place. That's very important. Okay, another, another clue. Well, I'm not too sure if this is, but in my mind, I always look for somebody that's been uh, for a few years in business, it, mm -hmm. right? Because if they were doing things that they shouldn't do, pretty soon they will run out of business. And so if they've been in business for many years, though, that means that company has been doing something right. Uh, right. Is that what you think too? That's usually a pretty good indicator, um, not just for inspection companies, but for factories also. Yeah. Um, usually like when we're looking at factories, if they've only been established for a year, six months or maybe less than two years, that can be a bit of a red flag if they haven't been established for a long time. Um, so yeah, usually successful companies are in business for a while. It doesn't guarantee it's going to be good, but it's definitely a very good first start. And it's good to be wary if that one doesn't check the box. Yeah, absolutely. So Mitch, one of the things that your company is uh, I'm assuming that it, your company is asked the most is probably how much is this going to cost me? So what's the average one day inspection? If it's like a, uh, what do you call it? A man day, a full man right. day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have a, a flat fee of 268 US dollars. 
Uh, and this fee is uh, uh, for everything. It's all inclusive. So travel fees, hotel fees, all of that is already uh, included in that price. So you're not going to be hit with hidden fees later. Um, and again, kind of like what we mentioned with the man days earlier, some companies will include this in their quote, some will not. So, you know, with our man days, it's up to eight hours on site. The price includes, you know, everything involved, the reports, you're not going to end up paying more than what we quoted. Um, so for example, for a lot of new people, a lot of new Amazon sellers, when they hear this, they sometimes think, ah, it's a bit steep. I'm not sure if I really need it. Um, but what, you know, a lot of more experienced, uh, like Amazon sellers or buyers in general will tell you is that if you have an order sizes of, let's say, you know, maybe a thousand units of something and, uh, you're paying roughly you know, $268 for an inspection for one man day, that ends up being a few cents for each unit. And if it helps you to identify problem, problems before it's shipped, that ends up saving you a lot more money in the long run because if you didn't identify those things before they arrived in your port or in your warehouse, and then you end up having to replace defective products, ship them back overseas, or you know, dispose of defective products. That's going to end up costing you a lot more money. Um, so generally, it's more of an investment to protect you from not only higher costs but huge headaches later on down the line. So compared to some of our competitors like, uh, say, SGS, Schema, it's a little bit lower than their price, and they typically do not include their travel costs within that. So when you're contracting an inspection company, make sure to ask, you know, what does this price include? Travel, accommodation, report issuing, things like that. Yeah. At any company I deal with, I like having the real number up front, right? I right. don't want to have any extras after just, I rather it be a little bit higher even, but this is the number. So uh, I, I, like, I like to have all my numbers ahead of time because I, I mean, I like to know if, if everything is going to work out or not, not just, I guess most people would be like that. So it is a good idea to have them uh, kind of break down the price a bit. Uh, so for example, we mentioned a bit of the checklist before, you know, what do you check for in the inspection? So if you want, we can actually, you know, break down the time required to check each item because we can calculate that based on the sample size and the things that we check. So we might say, you know, for each, uh, let's say, pen that we're inspecting, we can inspect one pen in maybe two or three minutes, depending on how complex the item is. And then from that, you can calculate you know, how many items can actually be finished within one day and have it done well, not just a quick once over. So a good inspection company should be able to break those things down for you if you request it. Okay, perfect. Now, um... What was I going to ask you? For example, you, you mentioned the pen, and uh, that reminded me that every product is different. So in, in the case of the pen, uh, the the person that is doing the inspection would actually use it, right? They would use right. the item to make sure the usability is there. Right. So what if, if there's an item that is, for example, rechargeable, that means it has a, a battery built in, 
Mm -hmm. uh, would one be tested, for example, for the durability of that battery if they say it will last six hours of running? Would that be tested? Right. Yeah. So during the inspection, we can do, uh, usually we call it a running test or a fatigue test. So yeah. for, let's say, an electric fan, a rechargeable electric fan, we will plug a few of those in, charge them for several hours uh, to make sure they don't get too hot, make sure they actually charge to their capacity. And we'll also turn them on and run them for several hours to make sure that the actual running time is consistent with the uh, customer's requirements as well as like the markings on the package. Because sometimes there can be small mistakes or typos in the uh, package markings. So the customer's requirement might be, this fan should run for six hours on battery. But on the package, it says eight hours. And the actual running time might be four hours. Um, so yeah, we do check for that. Function tests are important as well as like some general safety tests or maybe sharp edges, electric shock, things like that. Yeah, there's so much, so much to look into because every product is a product. And you're absolutely right with what you said earlier. Um, at the end of the day, if you have a big order, it's going to cost you, uh, the value of the inspection is only a few cents per unit, right? And you're right. going to add that on it when you're selling it, right? You mark that up. And the cost of a product that lands on Amazon that is defective, mm -hmm. I, I think it's about 20 times higher than if it's caught there because now you have your markup, you have to pay the Amazon fees. The customer is unhappy. If it happens a lot after a certain percentage, your account is at risk. Mm -hmm. um, and man, oh man, it's why yeah. not do it, right? It's a, unless, I mean, the only times I would see some sellers think it would be hard to do if they have an order of like a test order of 50 units of something. Uh, right. That now uh, adding to $280 on top of that would make that product a bit expensive. But mm -hmm. if it is a test run, I guess uh, you're not going to be profitable with your test run. Just get it tested anyway. Right. The test run can be um, very instrumental, actually, for your future orders, because from that you can kind of see w what to expect as far as um, maybe common defects. You can make a list of major minor issues that are acceptable not acceptable uh so that way you know later you're less surprised by what might pop up you can ask an inspector to watch out for this please or make sure that this is taken care of in our previous order this was an issue so yeah that can be used as kind of a precursor to uh, like an approved sample mm -hmm. so we can also do sample checks here so if you don't want it sent overseas, you can send it to our office, we can issue a full sample check report. So there's a lot of different ways to address that sample run, sample check. Yeah. So Mitch, before I let you go, I have another question. And imagine this, there's this, and this is actually a true story, okay? So there's this um, uh, manufacturer who I deal with for many years. Mm -hmm. And every inspection that was done always passed it was all everything was always perfect right so i talked to him uh through skype uh and um and man we talk about everything all the time because it's been years the nicest person ever and they never let me down is there a point where i can say i don't need any more inspections do you think if if i tell them i'm not inspecting anymore 
uh, will that relationship stand or could do I sh still should insist on having it? That's a good example. Um, I've, I've heard a similar story actually. Um, so I think one thing that's important to understand before this is that, you know, problems and defects within an order, they're not usually a malicious thing. Mm -hmm. People are initially concerned about, you know, my supplier might try to rip me off. So I want to protect against it, which can happen, but the majority of defects or, you know, non-conformities, most of those are down to, you know, miscommunication or misunderstanding or just not specifying enough. Um, so your example, when you have a very long relationship with a supplier, um, the story that I uh, experienced uh, someone told a very similar story. He had a very good supplier, very, you know, maybe 12, 13 years relationship with this factory uh, producing, I believe it was uh, vacuum cleaners. And they're very good friends with each other. They even went on vacation with each other. So there's no, you know, malicious intent here. Um, and, you know, they had good quality products for a long time. But one year, they started getting bad quality shipments from this same supplier uh, because there was a new component on the market. Is a cheaper, easier to procure component for some electronic, uh, electronic part of this vacuum cleaner. And because the buyer did not specify exactly the component that he wanted, he just assumed that his supplier would continue giving him this good stuff, the supplier took that as implicit uh, permission to use this cheaper component because he assumed it would do the same job as the original, but also cut costs in production. Um, of course, the buyer wasn't told about this until they started getting returns from their customers. So these things do happen. You know, technology changes. Um, they might have a new QC guy in their department. They might, uh, you know, a machine could break down. Um, so you might be able to reduce the frequency of quality inspections, but it is a good idea to you know, still do them from time to time to make sure that you know, everything is still consistent, nothing has actually changed, especially as technology advances because things change very quickly and not every problem can be anticipated in that way. Yeah, that, that's a great point. That's a great point because uh, thing, things can happen in... You're right. It's not malicious. They want to serve you. They want to serve you. Right. They want you to be happy because you keep coming back. But stuff happens. And uh, another thing that I know, and it also happened to me, is that most of the uh, things that happened that we don't want were miscommunicated on mm -hmm. our end because we assumed that they understood what we said. And um, for example, I had one product that had a misspelling on the packaging. Mm. And for about 30 seconds, uh, that's all it lasted, I was furious. <laughs> and after those 30 seconds, I realized that um, the files that I sent them had the misspelling, right? Ah. So it, it came from me, or not, it was from my team. But again, uh, so... They, of course, they didn't go correct our mistake. It's not their, their job to correct a mistake. So all those prints that were wrong were my fault, my team's fault. And that kind of stuff happens, right? So 
in that case, I tracked the the email that we had sent them with the it was the AI files, and we I saw that the mistake was from our end. But some sellers may not uh, may not see that, and they are the ones, you know, or buyers, uh, they are the ones that are causing the mistakes sometimes, right? Not the factory. Right. Yeah, communication is um, probably one of the leak, weakest links in this situation, just because you might have multiple people involved. Little detail might have been overlooked. So that is one way how, like, you know, what we mentioned, an approved sample can help with. You know, the approved sample is like a universal language. Uh, you can see everything put together because sometimes when you have files here and there, it can be easy to miss how they might fit together. Um, so if you can get them to send you a sample complete with even like the packaging, um, yeah. Sometimes you can be able to maybe catch some of those things in advance. Uh, but yeah, those mistakes do happen. Um, so <laughs> this is, I promise, this is the last one. Yeah. What if that sample is defective? Is that the end of it? Because I assume if they're going to send me a sample, they're going to send the best quality they can make. If the mm -hmm. sample sucks, that's the end of it there? Or should you insist on getting another one? Uh, yeah, not necessarily, um, because like some buyer, whether Amazon seller or not, it depends on how you communicated your requirements to them, because someone will say, I want this pen and I want it to be good quality. That honestly doesn't mean anything. You've got to specify every material, uh, every measurement, every color, and communicate that to them, because a lot of factories are capable of pretty much the full spectrum of quality. Um, so you got to make sure that you tell them exactly what you want. Uh, one way you can kind of deal with this, like if they send you a sample and you don't like it and you don't want to wait, you know, another couple of weeks for another sample, you can also have a sample sent to, you know, the local inspection company's office, send it to our office. We do, you know, photographs, videos, function checks, um, and verify, you know, through, let's say, video call, uh, different files. That's one way to address that problem if you don't want to wait for, you know, overseas shipping and things like that. Uh, so if you have a situation like that, you're not exactly sure how to handle it. There's no harm in, you know, visiting you know, uh, inspection company websites or sending an email to see what's the best option for addressing this problem. And, uh, Usually you can figure out something that'll be able to fix the problem and not cost you so much time and energy. Beautiful. Mitch, I promised that was the last one. So <laughs> tell everybody that's interested where they can find VTrust, where they can find you, what links do you want to give out? Sure. Yeah, uh, we've got a website, as you know, v-trust.com, VTrust. Uh, we also have, you know, social media pages, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube. We, uh, we like to publish QC-related things as well, uh, time to time. So we pub uh, publish blog articles, videos, like how we check different items, things to watch out for. Um, so if people like to follow us on uh, you know, LinkedIn or something, they can benefit from those. Uh, and uh, you can also send us an email, info at vtrust.com. We're happy to help you out. Perfect. Thank you for that. And I'll have them on the show notes. 
for everybody that's listening and that's driving right now or running on the treadmill or in the shower. I will have those links on the show notes for you. I promise. Sounds great. Appreciate it. Mitch, thank you so much for this. This is fantastic. And uh, I know that there's so much that I could ask, but uh, I know we got to go. So thank you very much. Thanks a lot for the opportunity. We uh, really appreciate you uh, taking the time to have us on your show. Thank you.